Welcome to the Zanbergen Report, where wealth strategies and investment wisdom collide, featuring your distinguished host and certified financial planner, Bart Zanbergen. Hi, everyone. Letitia Burbaum here, guest host for the Zanbergen Report, and we're with the Movers and Shakers, and so we are excited to start off our show today. Thanks, Paul, for starting everything out for us. Well, I'm glad to be here today because it's a topic near and dear to my heart, having lost both my mother and father years ago and then having to take care of my maiden aunt. I saw too many old people getting abused in these systems here today, and I know that's what you're going to talk about here today. So it's a, it, it really is an underreported problem in America here today. Yeah, and so I'm so excited to have our guest today. It's Matthew Stein. He is an owner of Law & Stein here in Irvine, and they are able to really help a lot of people. And so a lot of the, some of their clients right now are worldwide nonprofit organizations, corporate org executives, and individuals and family-owned businesses to really make sure that people are really taken care of. And we see some of the same type of clients all the time. And it's really interesting to be on different sides of the table to really the end of the day is really to be able to take the approach to take care of you know, the families and their goals and their legacies. And so I also am just so proud of Matt. You are such a, a young age. You've done an amazing job and built this fantastic organization. And you are just last year or this year, 2020, you're a Southern California super lawyer. So congratulations and thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Tish. Thanks so much for having me. I have to say, you know, being able to put on a suit and tie in this, in this time is a pleasure. It's actually nice to dust off the old suit and tie, put it on, uh, with courts being uh, doing everything via Zoom and, and telephone conference. I don't even have to put on a tie for court anymore. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no, I'm so excited. Why don't you share a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your firm with the audience to so kind of get an idea a little bit about more specifically what you do? Sure. So Law and Stein, um, if you can believe it, my partner's last name is Law. Um, he is uh, he's the estate planner. I'm the tr a trust litigator. So our, our firm is sort of um, a hybrid in the sense that we do a lot of trust planning, estate planning, business planning and tax planning. We have tax attorneys. And then down on my side, we do all the litigation. So unfortunately, when things don't go well um, and the trusts are not drafted properly and or at all, and we have to find ourselves in the probate courts, contested conservatorships, things that are sort of the nasty family disputes. That's where, where we get involved and try to help uh, sort of weed through the uh, unfortunate uh, family dynamics um, yeah. that occur when there's a lot of money involved um, and step in and try to help out and get it resolved before trial. And if not, we'll, we'll take it to trial and uh, get a verdict. That's so great. I mean, you're so needed in what you do, and we, we thank you. And sometimes it's so hard when people are thinking, man, I really don't want to go to trial. Do you take steps to try to prevent that or try to do some type of mediation? Talk to me a little bit about that. Sure. So uh, while I love trial, that's that's my favorite place to be. It's sort of the Atticus Finch. Um, you're on stage in front of the judge or the jury, and you get to provide and present your side. I love it. Okay. However, if we're in trial, it's too late meaning mm. it's not up to me anymore. Now it's up to the judge or it's up to the jury. And I never want my clients to be in that position. So if we can resolve the case before that, I push as hard as I can and my team does to try to get us into mediation. 
Um, okay. You've heard of arbitration. That's usually before a retired judge, and that's usually binding, meaning that the ruling after an arbitration is what is set in stone. Whereas a mediation, if the parties can't resolve it, that's okay. They continue moving along in, in litigation. But at a mediation, you get a chance to have your client share their side of the story. Um, yeah. The mediator, who's typically a retired judge, will listen in here and try to um, facilitate a, a, a settlement. And I push towards that because litigation, especially right now, with the courts being so backed up, you're not going to get a trial date for a very long time. So try to get it resolved. Try to get into mediation. Um, yeah. My goal is to get my clients back to doing whatever it is they do best, which is usually not being in a lawsuit. Right, right. So share with me maybe some examples of, if you can, of some stories of where a client, you know, they came to you and they thought, okay, it was going to be litigation, but now you're pushing towards mediation and how maybe you were able to really solve their need and something that people can relate to and maybe things that you can, some steps that we can take. Yeah. So when people come to me, sometimes um, they're very adamant. They want to go to trial, right? They, They pound... Um, they want the other side to pound sand and they do not want to settle a case. They want to go all the way and make the other side feel pain because they're, um, they're angry or hurt. Yeah. Right. And so it's my job um, as an attorney. And I feel sometimes like a therapist to find out why what's going on. And it's important to have some empathy for the clients that are involved in this, because these are family members that they're either suing or being sued by um, many times. It's brothers and sisters. And so I have to sort of open up Pandora's box and figure out what's what's going on here. Why? Why do you not want to talk about resolution? What happened? And giving them sort of a platform to explain to me the deeper um, sort of chaos that's occurred. It allows them some sort of cathartic ability to express what's happened and also allows me to explain to them the 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 financial cost of going through litigation may not be worth what they would call the, you know, having the other side go pound sand. So right. I'm able to just talk them through it, figure out, is it really the litigation that, that, that they want to do or is it they just want to be heard um, and allow for that, that empathy? Yeah. How are you guys doing this during COVID? Are you, are you doing the Zooms through this? You said Zoom or are you using technology and how do you mediate and keep things, you know, private, but in a big group? And talk to me about that, because that must be really stressful all in and by itself. Yeah, no, great question. Sometimes um, when clients come into my office before COVID, it was nice because I could be in the room with them. I can talk yeah. to them. There's that face-to-face um, feeling of, of able to help them and walk them through whatever situation it is. Going through Zoom or any video conferencing, it's so difficult, right? It's Mm -hmm. difficult to not be able to just look at them and be in the room with them. But at the same time, I'm finding that a lot of clients are coming to us anyways. They understand that there's a lot of technology out there that's allowing us to continue to move things forward. And if if their their mother has been, um, you know, what I would say, elder abuse, taken advantage of, they're not going to wait until all of this clears up. They want to make sure that that stops now. And by communicating with me, we are able to communicate with the courts immediately and through either teleconference or some ex partes, the courts will see us in person on uh, very few select issues. Yeah. We're able to help the clients right away. We're able to get their needs met. Now, some matters do take a while. Um, right. Trials are not being heard via Zoom as frequently as I'm going to anticipate. I think it's going to become much more uh prevalent in the Orange County courts and the LA courts. But for now, the technology is allowing us to communicate with clients, allowing them to sign, you know, new estate plans. We're able to do what we call a drive-by estate plan signing. 
Um, That's so crazy. So what, yeah. what does that look like? You, you have people you're going by and de delivering it and they sign it literally yeah. at their house and off they go. Yeah. So we'll walk them through all the documents um, via teleconference so they can see every single page. They know what they're yeah. looking at. Um, and then what we can do is we can walk downstairs um, and they can be outside of our building and they can stay in their car. And we've got our protections to make sure that everything is safe. They, our notary is right there with them, sign it, and they drive off, never have to leave their car to make sure that we can get their amendments done and get their trust done properly. Um, so we're fortunate that we're able to just quickly, we were able to, to quickly adapt to, to mm -hmm. use the current technology. That's so great. And you're still giving your clients a peace of mind because they're able to get this issue resolved and still feel safe. You know, yeah. they're, they're protected and their health is protected as well. That's so great. Yeah, a lot of attorneys right now are, are sort of, I, I'm finding are in this uh, stall pattern where they're just, they hit the pause button. Um, mm -hmm. I'm really trying to push our matters forward using all the technology we have, whether they're depositions via Zoom, whether they're mediations via video conference, um, yeah. getting in front of the courts, really pushing it forward. Because it's it's time and expense for these clients, and that's not going to stop. We want to make sure we get their, their, their case heard before a judge. Right, right. No, that makes absolute sense. So... I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit. So you talked about, you know, families and baby boomers, and I, I see this, you see this, but sometimes maybe someone hasn't passed away yet, but when they have money involved, um, maybe they have their diminishing capacity. So how do you guys step in there? At, how does that work with you guys? It's a specialty I think you have, right? No, it's, 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 it's important right now because a lot of times somebody will bring us their parent, right? And say, mm -hmm. hey, my, my father here would like to change his trust. Im immediately, it makes red <laughs> flags. Um, does the yeah. father know why he's here, who we are, what's going on? Um, we are now finding that there's so much elder abuse that we're requiring to see. I want to see a doctor's note that that potential client has capacity. I'm not yeah. going to take anybody's word for it except for a doctor. And that doctor needs to show me in writing that that person has capacity for me to do anything. Wow, Another thing great. that we're seeing is that when that person is, is an older generation, that that person is going to sign something, we want to maybe videotape it. We want to show that that person can look into the camera, can say, yes, this is me. I know what date it is. I know what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. All of that evidence is going to be supportive. So that when the disinherited, you know, uh, son or daughter comes and says, my father didn't have capacity, I have no questions that there's doctor's notes, that there's video, that I have support for that. It's important right now because a lot of the um, baby boomers are being taken advantage of. And unfortunately, I don't believe that they know that they're being taken advantage of. They're losing capacity, but it doesn't happen overnight. It's, it's right. a slow process, right? Yeah. And so it's important to understand that that they still have capacity you know and it's slowly declining but they can still have a conversation with you so you mm -hmm. need to be able to have the empathy to be clear but at the same time as an attorney it's my responsibility to know okay i i can't help this person anymore i can't make changes to their trust anymore and i have to really be careful because if i see kids taking advantage of i have to alert certain adult protection services. I have to alert other siblings to let them know what's going on. Um, I, you know, that's sort of my own ethical internal feeling uh, and obligation. Yeah. I'm so glad that you do that. And it's, it's amazing because on our side, you know, we manage money and it's 
you have no idea how hard it is if they have a legal contract or in, and they don't, we know we've known them for years and years and years. And then all of a sudden someone else starts coming in and calling the shots for them. And we know that that's not their voice. And we know that they're not doing those things and we can't stop it. We can't do anything because legally we don't have any control. So it's really like, I love that you're, what you're doing is you're being preventative and you're trying to help them and making sure that when things do get changed, you're making sure that it's documented and there's doctors involved and you're not just making quick changes because at the end of the day, we see both sides and managing money and it can get, can get a little dicey, you know? And, and, and a lot of times you and I were chatting and I thought what you said was so amazing is like a lot of this, sometimes it's generational it's a generational gap because the old way of thinking really had to do with we're going to keep things very private and we're not going to share our estate. And I see that same thing. And then no one knows the roadmap, right? So maybe you want to talk a little bit about that and how you prepare your clients with just making sure you're educating them with with a roadmap and making sure people know where things are and having access to you guys. Sure. So I, I see a lot of uh, that generational gap, the old school thinking. My family doesn't need to know anything about our my finances and the trust and how things are going to, um, you know, uh, lay out when I pass. Mm-hmm. And that is a huge problem because if it's not equal, mm-hmm. I see it, it comes across my desk, meaning brother and sister, mm-hmm. they thought they were going to get 50-50 of, of their father's estate. <laughs> and uh, father passes with a trust, the trust is opened, and it's it's 60 40 or 70 30 whatever it is and whoever's getting the less is going wait a second time out why does my sister get more or my brother get more dad never told me that dad told me it was going to be split dad actually didn't say anything so the problem is the communication Mm -hmm. um and i urge my clients especially my my older clients you've got to communicate with your kids explain to them what's going on if they're not getting 50 50 tell them now why and what's happening yeah um because it, it you know the amount of cases I see where the, the, the children are upset after the, the mother or the father passes, I mean, it just keeps growing. It, it, yeah. it's, it's getting out of control. One thing I want to point out is, especially for your listeners, the thing that I see the most, um, the situation I see the most is, let's say there's two or three brothers and sisters um, and father has passed. And mother is still living, but she's definitely losing capacity. And you get you get one sibling every time, mm-hmm. the one that's going to care for mom. But it's also the sibling, not every time, is the one that's going to also take advantage of mom. Now mm-hmm. that sibling believes I should be paid for taking care of mom. In fact, I should have a new car because I took care of mom. In oh, fact, wow. I should get whatever it is, a vacation because I take care of mom. You know what? I'm going to have mom go to my trust attorney and have mom give me 100% of all the assets um, upon her death because I took care of mom. And so we see that oh. constantly. And when the other brothers and sisters try to um, interject or try to get a hold of mom, they can't. They're blocked. Mm. They can't email mom. Um, the, 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 quote, bad sibling has taken mom's driver's license, has taken her checks. Mom oh. is powerless. Um, yeah. Even seen a case where they took mom and put her in a different care facility that nobody else in the family knew about. They didn't hide her. Yeah, and it's totally secluding that individual. When that individual passes, guess what? That sibling gets 100%, and you immediately have litigation. Right. How do you stop that? You've got to get mom to communicate before she loses capacity 
about mm -hmm. what she wants, have her write it down, have her communicate it to all three of the children. It's the communication. Some of our, our most successful families that we have, the generational wealth that's been passed down, the yep. children still meet in our, in our office, in our conference room once a month to talk about the family business. Everybody mm -hmm. has their role. Everybody knows what they're going to do. They know who's getting paid what. It's all transparent. And yeah. they continue to succeed and the, and the family's wealth grows. I'm glad you say that because we actually have family meetings. It's a big dynamic of what we do as well. And sometimes it just starts when children are young or they don't want them to know what's going on. We just talk about general money managers and just talk about goals and needs. And we come up with values and a value system for a family. And then as the parents get more comfortable with us being involved in helping the, the family, that dynamic improves with that communication. So I, I love that that's a great tip. Um, yeah. Do you have any other tips or success stories that you've seen this work with that's made a difference in your clients' lives? People love stories. I feel like that's easy to relate to these, these scenarios and that way they understand the, you know, everything that you guys are doing and helping people. Yeah, so I've seen, I've seen some families who the mother and father are still alive and they have two or three children and the mm -hmm. mother and father are worth, you know, a, a decent amount. And their concern, the mother and father, are about them losing capacity and not even knowing, right? Mm -hmm. That one of them either passes and the remaining one is going, I don't know I'm going to lose capacity. It's not something you can look in the mirror and be like, I, I know that I hit that, right? Yeah. So how do you protect that person? Well, the family, all the three kids have decided that assuming whoever's still alive, whichever okay. parent is still alive, that parent, when they hit a certain age, let's say it's 80, okay. that parent is going to need one of the children to sign off on any amount over $5,000. Okay. So when that, uh, let's say it's the mother, the mother is 80 and she wants to send $10,000 to some Nigerian prince, she mm -hmm. can't do it. The trust... Right prevents her from doing it. One of the children has to come in and sign off. So it's a safety net. It protects. So question. So do you have pushback on that with a control, like the person that's the parent passing along to the children? Do you see them saying, no, I don't want to release control and have another person sign? Or is this something you kind of talk about over time to implement? Yeah. And so educate it, them? It, I do get pushback, right? It's uh -huh. I'm the parent. I don't need, I don't want to ask for permission for my child to spend my money. Right. right? That's sort of the situation. Yeah. So what we do is we, we bring them into our conference room where we have a video conference and we sort of educate them on the, the, the capacity issues that we're seeing. Mm -hmm. We provide numbers, we provide you know examples and stories. And we show them that this is not a maybe going to happen. It's, it's a likely going to happen. And with, yeah, and, and what we do is we say, look, you pick the number that you're comfortable with. Maybe it's not $5,000. Maybe it's $25,000, right? Right. Maybe it's a hundred grand. Whatever the number is, you pick it so that you parent. It's your trust. It's your money. You're comfortable with that number. But you have to understand if somebody comes to you, the number is 25 grand, and somebody comes to you and wants 50, and you don't know that this person's not, there's a new scam, and you're not familiar with it, don't you want one of your kids who's... 100% backing you and supporting you yeah. to help. And through that process, we're able to get people to um, understand that it's, it's a safety net. It's all it is. 
Yeah, no, that's so great. And do you maintain these family relationships over a period of time or are you more transactional, you help them and then they move on or is it kind of a combination of both? Yeah, so um, I'm super fortunate that both my partners, um, Zeb Law and Shauna Anderson, the, they're the estate planners, they're the tax attorneys. They are so fantastic at communicating with our clients about constantly reviewing your estate plan. Great. You not do an estate plan and you put it on your shelf and you look at it in 10 years. We yeah. ask our clients to look at it every two to three years. We, we email them, we call them because things change, right? Right. If you're going to have a successor trustee and that successor trustee passes away, who's the next person? Yeah. Maybe you had another kid, maybe you, had, maybe you purchased property and you want to put that in your trust. So think life, right? it just constantly changes. And laws change. Right, 100%. And so especially for the higher net worth people, there are tax consequences that yeah. our firm can help with. And if you have a law firm that you can go to continuously, you don't have to worry. You just pick up the phone. You know they have your trust. They, you know they know who you are. Um, and you instantly get answers. You can sit down with them. You can have you know updates done, amendments done, versus having to start that whole process over every single time with a new trust attorney. Yeah, that's so great. I love that. Yeah. So um, we're kind of running out of time, but I want to be able to make sure two things. I know we're going to end on ultimate you know, lesson learned. But before I do that, I want to make sure that is there any other just overall tips you want to make sure that the audience know and they and then just about you need any other last minute things yeah. about your firm? Um, I, I would say that twofold. First, I, I would urge the, the, the kids who have elderly parents um, to communicate with them constantly. Okay. I, I, a lot of times I hear you know, my brother was in charge of my mom, so I didn't know what was going on with her finances. I didn't know that she was being abused or, or taken advantage of. And then it was too late because she passed. So I urged the family to get involved, have a once a month, once a quarter, just yeah. update, you know, hey, send me mom's checkbook. What is she spending money on? Is everything okay? Does she have yeah. enough money? Those kinds of things. So it's that constant communication. As for my mm -hmm. firm, we're open. We're meeting with new clients. We're here. Um, we have free consultations. We want to make sure that people are not being taken advantage of. And if you yeah. feel that, if you smell it, if it doesn't look right, call us. We can walk and walk you through it. Um, I've, I've heard almost every story, so nothing surprises me anymore. Yeah. And I'll end with sort of the lesson learned. Yeah, please. So that goes to what I've learned is is empathy. Mm. Every family dynamic is a little bit different. It yep. is. I was not there when things happened but I can listen and I can help and I can be sort of uh, an open book to be able to absorb the information that you're providing me about your family and let you know the legal side of what's, what the law is going to tell you and what the judge is probably going to, how the judge is probably going to rule. So that's so great. I empathy, appreciate empathy, that. Empathy, especially right now with the, the stress level. Yeah. How can people reach you, your firm, your partners, know a little bit more about you? Sure. I'm not on TikTok, so that's good. <laughs> Neither am I. Um, right. Lawenstein.com, right? Um, okay. Our website's the best place to reach us. When you get there, you'll see right away there's the litigation side and there's the trust um, and estate planning side. Okay. Um, that's the best way to reach us. That's so great. And um, so you have your website on there. I know we have social media. And then on social media, if anyone um, reaches out to me, I will make sure to Matthew, I will pass it along to you. And then they have all of your information as well. And I know we're going to be posting this online as well. So if you guys 
hear anything from the show and you have questions, go ahead and just um, send us a message and we will pass it along to Matt or he'll engage in that conversation and then you guys can go from there. Yeah. Um, Paul, do you have any other questions? You always usually have some thoughts before we sign out or any uh, thought process on you want to add? Any other questions? I just think that there is so much to this story that doesn't get told. As I said to you guys beforehand, we had... Um, Casey Kasem's daughter in here years ago, the famous yeah. uh, DJ, and she was from the first marriage. And when Casey got old and I don't know if he had Alzheimer's or whatever, but he got they put him in a home, and his his current wife did, and she wouldn't let any of the of his children from the first marriage see him. And part yeah. of it was they didn't get along, and part of it was the fear. I th- I suppose that somehow. He'd change, they'd get him to change his will or do other sorts of crazy things, or maybe it's just anger at the two families, but they literally moved him all over the country, not just around the state. They, they moved him to Washington and other sorts of places, and she was able to get a law passed afterwards. She's created a foundation and created this her cause uh, to, um, to at least let children see their parents. Previously, they had no right, as amazing as that sounds, to see their children. Uh, you know that from that kind of extreme to the kind of money arguments that you guys are talking about here, it is amazing what we do to our beloved parents and grandparents in their final stages here. It's just yeah. it's shocking. We see it all, and I am so thankful for everything that you do, Matthew, because it makes our job easier and you help the family you create this direction and you give a peace of mind and when things aren't okay you help them you know and that's such right. a, so important that people know that you're there and people don't talk about it these are real live things that cause a lot of family pain and it can break up families and what you do is so amazing so and i'll tell you, thank the other you for being on the show i really appreciate it i'll tell you one other thing i don't know if matthew yeah. sees this i'm sure you deal with lots of very wealthy people who you know, there's the late, our current president is uh, all that's being ba- uh, laid to bear here, what happened when his father died and and uh, the arguments and the ill feelings that came about now, books have come out of it and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. But I found that it's not always when there's lots of wealth either. It's just anger and hurt or pain or uh, you know, I think this is what mom should be done. No, you're killing mom. I think mom should be over here. And they start these huge fights over, I don't know, over nothing about unresolved uh, 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 sibling rivalries or uh, mom always liked you best or, you know, all sorts yeah. of crazy stuff. Yeah, I need a yeah. therapy degree because. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear, uh, have you come back sometime and tell some of the stories, change the yeah. names to protect the innocent, but I'll bet our hair would just stand on end if you told us some of the things that these people do with those they supposedly loved and cherished, but in this moment of anguish, the craziness that comes out, I'll bet yeah. is unbelievable. Here. It's an onion. You just keep peeling. <laughs> yeah. Right. Peeling. Absolutely. Well, thanks for hey, joining us. Thank you us. so much for having me. Uh, you, you are my go-to financial advisor. Thank you so much, because I, I know how much you care about your clients and, and how much empathy you have for yours. So thank you for, for having me. It's an honor. I, I think that's true, and I think that's why they do these shows, not just to, to have fun and stay in touch with people, but to really uh, bring out issues like this, which are not reported yeah. much. You don't hear people. Nobody wants to talk about the ugly fights going on with mom yeah. or dad or grandma here. But it causes people pain. And oh. so we're here to help and like make things better and move forward. So I think this is great. Thank you guys so much for being on the show today. Appreciate it. Okay. Talk to you next. 
Tune in next week for the latest edition of the Zanbergen Report, Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Catch up on our recent shows by visiting bartzanbergen.podbean.com. The Zanbergen Report is also available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Interested in being a featured guest on our show or have a question you'd like to hear us answer? Email podcast at bartzanbergen.com. Bart A. Zanbergen, CFP, and Letitia Burbaum, AIF, are registered investment advisors with Optivist, Inc., and registered representatives with Gramercy Securities, Inc., member FINRA and SIPC. Investment advisory services are offered by Optivist, Inc., under SEC registration.